we started about a month ago. We've had a little bit of a break with the, with um, um, also with the with the uh, anniversary, and so we're going to be looking at. My, my heart's desire is to look at the great tribulation, but not the way perhaps some of you often think of the great tribulation, but but in some different ways that can be helpful. Um, foundations in a troubled world. We need foundations. We need foundations. The world is very troubled, very troubled, and it's going to get increasingly troubled. And the way the Bible describes it in many ways that God is going to shake. God's going to shake everything with increasing intensity. The idea is God's powerful hand shakes, and everything that is not of the kingdom is going to drop off. So it's going to be, we're going to feel that shaking, right? We're going to feel it. We're going to experience that shaking. So I want to encourage you um, that that there are troubling times upon us with increasing intensity. And so I want want my desires to have some foundations for us. So let's, let's, I'm going to read through uh, Matthew 24 like we did last time. And um, just going to read the passage, just kind of give us some context. And Lord willing, eventually we, we will come back to verse 21 and give a little bit more uh, understanding of what's going on. So let's read Matthew 21, verses 1, and we're going to read We're gonna read through uh, 22 verses, so just bear with me. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house, in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And the last for women who are pregnant and for those who who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being 
would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. You are our prophet, priest, and king. And you speak these words with every authority. And you said clearly that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. And here we have in this passage, Lord Jesus and Matthew, such sobering warnings. And you speak this, but you don't speak this to the world. You speak this to your people. You inform your people, Lord, so that um, even with, as with Abraham, um, when you said, shall I hide that from my friend Abraham, which I'm about to do. And I love the fact that you are, we are your friends, and you share, oh God, um, the things that you're about to do, and the things that you, 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 from the very beginning, Lord, you've been doing that, and you will continue to do that. And I just pray that we may have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, and that we would be sober-minded in these days, and that we would be discerning, that we'd be spiritually mature, and that, Lord, we would uh, rejoice because we know our redemption is drawing nigh. So I pray that your spirit would just help us today to just, Lord, enjoy this time to really think, Lord, about what you're saying, to, to, to not, um, not to be distracted by the cares of life and by, Lord, sleep or by anything that could draw, rob us, Jesus, of your word spoken to us. I pray, anoint me with your Holy Spirit, help me to speak and Lord God, strengthen us and give us, strengthen our foundations for the world that we live in. We need, I need it, Lord. I need it, Lord. I, Lord, I've not arrived. I need foundations stronger, stronger every day. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, be, I began this, I began this ministries a few weeks ago just to really help us um, give you foundations um, and encourage your faith. I would encourage your faith. You walk with the Lord. We're living in very troubling times, as I said. We're seeing um, many things that have happened. Even this week, I was, I was very, very disappointed with the midterm elections and in hope that things might change a little bit. But um, um, things are desperate. You know, I, I, read one, I, read, I read one thing that happened in Montana. I, sh I showed it to Laura. Montana Referendum 131. You guys ever heard it? Did anybody read a Montana Referendum 131? You know, this is just to show you that, you know, just to show I should have brought a... Uh, description this is the kind of world that we're going to right this is unheard of at least in my generation and I'm not that old I'm only 32 years old yeah <laughs> um, but you know uh, but this is unheard of in, in this referendum the voters of Montana rejected a law which would have required the babies that are born alive from abortion to, to treat them and, and provide medical care so the, the voters in Montana said, no, 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 no. If a baby's born alive, but it needs treatment, do not give it treatment. Let it die. Is that crazy? Is that crazy? A, ba a baby is born, the, the abortion did, right? And, and this, 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 they rejected, they, this law would have made it, um, a law that the, the doctor has to provide medical care for this baby. And the voters of Montana said, no. We release the doctors from that liability. They don't have to do that. Is that shocking to you? Is it shocking a little bit? Shocking. But in one sense, it's not shocking anymore, right? We're so used to now, right? We're so used to, but, um, but you know, we should not be desensitized 
So a healthcare provider who was present at the time of the born alive infant was supposed to make do all that they can to provide and preserve the life of this baby. And this this law said, no, you don't have to. Is that scary? Um, so, you know, we, we're seeing um, elements in our society that are legalizing very diff, uh, perversion, pedophiles. Do you know? Do you know that there 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 are groups trying to make pedophiles normal? Do you guys know that? Normalizing it. Now they don't call them pedophiles. What does anyone know what they call them? Maps. What does MAP stands for? Minor, attracted, P, person. Minor attracted person. You're no longer a pedophile. You are a minor attracted person, right? So I don't know about you, but I care about this. I take it personal because this is of God's world, amen? <laughs> I'm like, no, that's garbage. Satan, you're a liar, right? Like, we got to stand up. I mean, the Lord says in Isaiah, who will stand for me against the workers of iniquity? Amen. And so, so everywhere you turn, um, I don't know about you, but um, if, you, if, you, if you're following the news, things are desperate. Especially, um, and you know my burden for the children. I will fight tooth and nail for the children. Amen. We're going to fight for them. We're going to fight that God would protect them, that God would keep them, that God would raise them up. That this corruption, right, this confusion... Right? Would, would, would not come to our children. Amen? So let, 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 let's, um, so this, this world is getting crazier and crazier every time. And so as we see these ch- changes uh, take place, the tendency will be to mourn. Right? Our ch- uh, the tendency will be to grieve in ways. But Jesus, right? Look at Luke 23, verse 26. Luke 23. This is, this is a, a, a climactic moment. I wish I could, you know, these scriptures are so magnificent. Because they are symbolic. They're not just historical. These, all that is written in the Bible is not just wonderfully historical, but they go beyond the history and they, they communicate magnificent truths. And in this particular portrait, as they led him away, meaning Jesus, Jesus is being led away. Where is he going? Where is Jesus going? Disney World? Where is he going? To the cross. As they led him away, they seized one of Simon who was coming in from the country and laid on him on the cross to carry behind Jesus, right? And so um, all, all we're seeing in our society uh, all the good and what is morally decent being led away, right? And where, where, where are they going? To Disney World? No. To crucify it, to, to put it to death. To put to death everything that's good, everything that is right before God, right? Everything that is, everything that is decent. Everything that our kids need to grow in a world and be, and be productive citizens, humans, right? All of that's being stripped away. And all this good is being led away by the wicked and replaced with perverted, radical, ungodly agendas, right? Uh, look, at, we, read this, we read this in Psalm 11, Psalm 11, um, verse 2. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. The wicked are bending the bow. Right? They're bending the bow, and they have fitted their arrow to the string. They're not just, kind of, right? They have fitted the arrow to the string. And their intent is to shoot. At whom? At whom? The upright. 
all that is happening in our society don't, is not liberals and conservatives. It's not Democrat or Republican. All that at the end of the day, all that's happening is a war against God and his people. And you're going to have to wake up and say, okay, this is the, the, the liberals and the, whatever, conservatives, yeah, there, there's symbolism there that we could, we could say the conservatives, I'm a conservative, right? Say, yeah, this, this is a little bit more, more sane. The liberals are crazy. <laughs> it's like they, they want to change laws. They want to. They don't know what a woman is. You know, it, it's like this crazy, crazy thing. But that's not what the battle is. The battle is against you and I, as children of God. They're going to shoot at the, at the upright in heart, not at the godless. Right? The, the wicked don't bend their bow to shoot at the godless. They bend their bow to shoot at the upright. In heart. You're the target at, at the end of the day. Right? And so God's when God's people are assaulted and, ki- and killed, the foundations, look at verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But, the, you know, but now what do you do? What do, what do we do? What do we do? I'm just, I'm just encouraging us to do this. What do we do when this thing begins to happen? And look at, look, look, let's go to Luke 23, verse 27. Jesus is being taken away, right, symbolically. He's being taken away. All that is good, all that is perfect is being delivered up, is being taken away, right? So the tendency is to create a following, right? And there followed them a great multitude of the people, right? Jesus, all that is good, all that is perfect is being led away by the wicked to be crucified, right, to be condemned, to be murdered. That's that's what's happening in our society. All that is good is being led away. And then, th- then we follow the great multitude and of women who are mourning and lamenting. Who are they mourning and lamenting for? For Jesus. Oh, poor dude. He was such a nice man. That's such pity. What, what a loss. Right? On the surface, it's like, on the surface, it's like, yeah, we should mourn for him. Right? On the surface, it's like, this is not good. This is a good man. He healed so many. He walked on waters. He, he multiplied the bread and fed thousands, right? He, he, he healed the sick and the, the blind. He did so much good. It's a shame that now this thing is being taken away from us, right? All that we've enjoyed, all that we have uh, just learned to look to, uh, to Jesus, and he's provided such comfort, right, such assurance about the future, all of that is now taken away, and now we're lamenting for that. Are they, are, they, are they lamenting for the right reasons? No. Look what Jesus says in verse 28. Jesus turning to them. This is, again, symbolic. Jesus turns to them and says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Don't weep for me. That's kind of strange, right? Talk about, you know, talk about not looking for self-pity. Man, some of us are so full of self-pity. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm going through bad. Just weep for me. <laughs> it's like, and, um, and, uh, and Jesus said, hey, um, do not weep for me. This is such a, a monumental moment that I think we could weep because of our loss of the American lifestyle, right? We can, lo- we can weep over the fact that things are not the way they used to be. We can weep over a, we can weep over a lot. But Jesus said, don't weep over that. But he does tell you what to weep for. Who should we weep for? 
for yourselves and for your children. Jesus is weeping. Right? So what are we going to do? Are, are we weeping for, the, for yourselves, for your children? Just gonna, Jesus is saying, look, it's gonna, don't worry about me. I, I, I'm okay. It's you that you should be worried about. It's your children that you should be worried about. Right? Do you take that warning serious? Do I take it serious? You know, he's telling daughters of Jerusalem, this is, this is a term of endearment that is used in the Old Testament with respect to God's people. Daughters of Jerusalem. Do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Weep for you. I mean, in, in other words, weep for the church. Because what's coming is going to be devastating. That's what Jesus is saying. Weep for yourselves and weep for the future of the church, the children. Right? It's, it, what's coming. He's, he's, he's already told us. So, then, you know, so what are believers' foundations in this troubled world? And um, I think we're just going to do a review because we, we miss a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll, we'll stop and we'll continue next week. So what are, what are these foundations? What kind of foundations do we need to live so that we're not swept away, so that our hearts may not fail us for fear? When things get troubled, when things, when you lose your job, when you, you know, you're reading about Twitter and, and finding out people that were just uh, massive layoffs, Facebook laid off, how many this week? 11,000, right? So every, every part, you know, I'm, I'm one of the human resources wept before going out to tell these people that they were laid off. I, th I thought that was kind of tender, that they would care. That's a good human resource. Hire, hire that person, right? That's a good person to have in your company who feels bearing bad news to people who may not get another job. Oh, yeah, the market, well, markets are changing. We are fast going into recession. Things are, you know, things are not as certain as they used to be. So what are these foundations that our believers are going to need that you and I are going to need in this very troubling world? All right, so what, what are these foundations that you're going to need? And there were two, two, two foundations. We only covered one. And let's just go. Let's, let me just go through. And like I said, we'll just review, kind of regroup where we were at, and we'll, we'll continue next week. First of all, first of all, you're going to have to, you're going to have to know that all things that take place in our world and in your life are ordained by God. Right? They are ordained by God. Right? Um, Abby, does it, does, is it like not clicking? You could put it, you could put it in. Um, they, they're, what do we mean by ordained? Um, they're, they, God has Nothing happens in this world without God's in involvement. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, uh, Lamentations 3, verse 37. And, um, and, and, and in Lamentation, God speaks to Jeremiah because where Jerusalem has been ravaged by the Babylonians. The Babylonians have risen up and they have become an, a, a fearful empire. Uh, a fearless empire, I should say, and, and they are just conquering the world, and they're destroying Jerusalem. I mean, they're just devastating God's people. I mean, this is like you and I might say, oh, wh what wonderful history that is. Well, well, in the, put yourself in the, in, in, the, in the shoes of a Jewish person who has all his life said, the Lord is my rock and my shelter. Who shall be against me? Right? And now they're facing devastation on levels they've never seen before. The Babylon, Babylonians have seized Jerusalem. People, are, people in Jerusalem are literally starving to death 
because of the the seed. So so Jeremiah is conflicted. He's like, he doesn't get this. Why is this happening? Aren't you our God? And this is God's answer to Jeremiah. Who has spoken, Jeremiah? And it came to pass. Has anyone ever said anything? And they act, and it came to pass? Unless the Lord has commanded you. So, so, so in this troubling world, we're going, we're going to begin, we're going to, um, we're going to ex- experience things that might shake our faith. We're going to experience things, you might experience things personally that, that trouble you. Why am I going, how many of you as believers have gone through something in your life and you were perplexed and I, I had no answers. I said, man, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I've done it a few times, right? And I'm perplexed, especially when I was younger. The Lord, praise God that now I have a little bit of foundation to understand that God is at work in ways but when, especially when you're young in the Lord and you go through things and you're like, ah, this is, I, I, I even can't tell nobody because they're going to think I'm crazy. Right? Have you guys had one of those trials? Lamentations 3.38. Is it not from the mouth of the Lord, mouth of the Most High, that good and bad come? This is going to be helpful for you. I just, that's why I want to help you. Some of you complain too much. Complaining is going to be a, dip, a, a horrible thing to have. Because if you complain, you're basically saying, ah, oh, it's Joey's fault. And you're not recognizing that behind Joey is the God who, it, right from the mouth of the Lord, nothing happens the proper, he has a purpose. And we may not like the situations, right? But, but, but God is in control. God has ordained. Man, this has saved me so many times, right? When I got cancer. I was able to rejoice because I say, I, Lord, I don't like this. I don't know where this is going. But I got to, either now I say, oh, right, <laughs> go crazy, or I say, no, is it not from the mouth of the most high God that both good and bad come? Amen? And that, that sustained me. I'm like, Lord. Nothing can happen to me unless you have spoken. It completely changed the complexion of my experience with cancer. Completely. When I'm telling you completely now, you guys, some of you guys knew I I had an open heaven. I was rejoicing God every day. Because I knew I was not a victim of cancer. I know that my God is on the throne. And I know that God ordains things, perplexing things troubling things ultimately for my good. Amen? Proverbs 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord. I believe that. Every casino Every casino, when they roll the dice, who determines that it goes falls on a four or a six? Gravity? The force of the of that risk? Nope. I believe this with all my heart. Every decision is from whom? The Lord. 
Now you might say, why, why, is he, why, does he, why does he even care that it falls on the three or four? For you and I, it'd be like, what's the big deal? God has his purposes. Amen? <laughs> he knows three or four. He knows exactly everything. Ma- it, it, this is the kind of God we serve. Amen? This is a God, a God that intimately cares about the smallest details of life. It's every decision is from the Lord. So then you're going to need his foundation. And then we looked at, we looked at um, um, the greatest act of injustice. How can, how can we apply this? If, if, if this is true, if this is true, uh, wow, what do we do with the great act of injustice in the world? How can we, uh, how can we you know, we went through this and um, we looked at the millions that Stalin murdered millions, they say up to 20 million people. Um, they c- m- some claim that um, Hitler, Hitler cli- killed 50 million people, right? Um, I, know I told you that the abortion of babies um, is, is, a, is an injustice of great proportion. More than 1.5 billion babies have been ab- aborted worldwide since 50 years. Um, so, so w- but what was, the, what was the greatest act of injustice in the world? The murder, it, it wasn't Stalin, it wasn't Hitler, and it's not even the abortion issue. As, as, as I believe that, apart from Christ, that is the highest, that you cannot get a greater injustice than abortion. But there is one greater, the murder of Jesus Christ, amen? Go, go to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Um, but you deny the Holy One and the Righteous One and ask for a murder to be granted you, and you killed the author of life. God raised from the dead and to the seal witnesses. The betrayal and murder of the Son of God was a much greater injustice. Right? This meant Jesus Christ was, um, was a righteous man. He was innocent. Look at Luke, Luke 23, 47. Now when the centurion saw that what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. So, so there was a, Jesus' innocence aggravates the issues of injustice more than any other situation. Does that make sense? Jesus, innocence. He's righteous, perfect. No, no blame, nothing. And he's going to suffer a great injustice. He will be killed. He will be murdered. The question is, all right, um, right? This Jesus is per- his perfect righteousness. Did God? Did God ordain that? The greatest act of injustice. In the death and murder of the Son of God, did, did he ordain it? Right? Look, 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 at, look at Jesus. Um, look at what Jesus says about, look at this, in John 15, 25. John 15, 25 says, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me, what? Without a cause. Nothing. They had nothing. They had nothing to hate. There was no basis, no moral basis for hating Jesus. Perfectly innocent. Like, there was nothing. Now, you, you and I can't really say that. Do you know that, right? <laughs> There's much basis. I can provide much basis for people hating me, right? But not Jesus, right? There was no basis for, his, for, his, um, for, his, for why they hated him. Th- this is a great injustice, right? Look at, look at Zechariah 13.6. Zechariah 13.6, right? Not only was he hated without a cause, but if one asks him, what are these wounds in, in your back, he will say, the wounds I received in the house of where? 
What house? My friends. He was wounded in, in the house of his, his friends. So it doesn't just, man, you go in to, to visit your good buddy, and he stabs you in the back, literally. <laughs> and you go there you know, thinking you're going to have a nice, a nice, watch a hot dog and watch a football game, and, right? And, 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 and he stabs you in the back. Would that be injustice? Yes. But look at this. Uh, this, is even, this is even greater. Look, look at this one. John 14.30. Look at John 14.30. Look what Jesus said. None of us can say this, right? I will no longer talk much with you. For the rule of this world, who's the rule of this world? Satan. He's coming. And he's got nothing on me. <laughs> he's got nothing. You know, the, 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 the Greek there is just really, is not so, much so complicated. It, it's really, he has nothing. <laughs> he's, got, he's got nothing. Nothing on me. He's got, you know, I mean, think about the, the rule of this world who, uh, who's been observing Jesus. He's got nothing, no charges, no acting that can, that can stick. Because, why? Because Jesus was perfect. Jesus pleased the Father. Every single second of his life he was perfect satan knew that satan said i got i got nothing in this man man i, I just hate him and i hate him without a cause but 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 he's got nothing he's got he's got no claim on me he's got nothing on me talk about jesus I, like and this is the one that they will um they will destroy and betray and murder right and it's this perf righteous perfection that Jesus, of Jesus that will aggravate the issues of the concerns of justice, right? And so look at Acts 7.52. Acts 7, which of the prophets did your fathers not pursue? Or, and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. And Jesus, um, Jesus was killed. None of us, none of us are righteous. None of us. You know, we complain of injustice, right? Oh, that's wrong. My boss shouldn't do that. My boss shouldn't, my boss shouldn't this, or my neighbor's doing this, and that's unjust. And, and there's some truth to that. But the reality is that none of us are righteous. None of us are really innocent, right? If it's not for the blood of Jesus Christ, if it's not for the, for the forgiveness of Christ, right, you and I would be doomed, right? Right? We're, we're, not, we're not perfect. Right? Romans 3.10 and 12, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one, verse 12, no one does good, not even one. No one seeks for God. And we complain and we, we say this and that, but and we forget to realize how perfectly innocent Jesus was. And there was nothing on him. So in other words, here's what I'm telling you. In many ways, you know, we have to start changing this idea of entitlement. There's an entitlement in our, in our society. The only righteous one is Jesus Christ. You know, we say, oh, I don't deserve that. Really? What do I deserve? Hell. <laughs> right? I mean, so, sometimes we don't want to like, we're like, I'm not that bad. <laughs> you and I deserve, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, you and I deserve death and hell. Amen? I know that's hard, but, you know, but, but this is, uh, if you don't understand that, you can't understand the gospel. 
We complain and we, as if we are entitled to anything. And this world is so full of entitlement, right, that as a believer, you can, you can start drinking from the same Kool-Aid and start thinking that, hey, he shouldn't do that to me. And I'm not saying that we don't stand up for righteousness. And I'm, and I'm not saying that we don't defend the weak. But I think we do it in a different way. We, uh, we do with an understanding that none of us are righteous. If bad things happen to me, Lord, thank you that I'm not in hell. Thank you that you've forgiven me of my sin. Who am I? Right? And so I think, I think we, we, we begin to just realize, okay, Lord, you're the only righteous one, Jesus. You're the only one that is truly innocent. Amen? Next week, I'm going I'm to stop right there, but next week, then we're going to pick up the question. Did God ordain the murder of Jesus Christ? Right? I'm, I'm dealing with the most, the greatest act of injustice. I don't have to answer all the questions. All I need to do is figure out which is the most injustice, the greatest injustice, and then answer that question. And that solves, right? And then that tells me, well, did God ordain the murder of Jesus Christ? Good question, right? I'm a, I'm a reasonable man. I, I need, I'm going to ask the hardest question and say, um, first of all, I need to figure out what is the greatest act of injustice. And through my own study, I said the greatest act of injustice is the murder of the Son of God. Second question, well, did God ordain that? If we say yes to that question, that changes everything. Amen? That changes everything. Gives us insight to like, whoa, whoa. If God ordains, we, we first said God ordains everything. And even, even those situations that we, we deem to be very unfavorable. And that's hard to accept sometimes. I, I agree. So I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to see in the Bible what's the worst act that's ever been committed. The worst act that's ever been committed is the death of Jesus Christ. And then I have to ask the question, did God ordain that? Do we have biblical support to believe? I don't, I don't want to just say something because I figured, right? Is there, is there proof in the Bible that God ordained the murder of his own son? And the answer is yes. Let me read to you, and we'll pick it up next week, and we'll come back. Acts 2, 22, and we'll, we'll finish with this. Men of Israel, I'm not going to explain this. I'm just going to give it to you so you can think about it throughout the week, and then we'll, we'll come back to it next week. Did God ordain the worst act of injustice in the history of the world? The answer to that question is yes, he did. And I can say that on the authority of the scriptures, not just my logical reasoning, because that's worthless. I need to find in scripture basis for saying God ordained the worst injustice in the history of the world. And so here we are. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. 
According to what? Ooh, so we're going to look at that next week. We're going to, what, what in the world does that mean, right? <laughs> so we'll look at that next week. You crucified. <laughs> so you see both, right? You see, you see God's work and, and, um, and you see man's responsibility. So man was an instrument in this. But do not, do not miss according to the definite plan and foreknowledge. I can't wait to talk about that one. That might be two weeks from, from next week. Foreknowledge of God. This is, this is beautiful. This is perplexing, but beautiful. You crucified and you killed by the hands of lawless men. Why don't we stand? Let's stand. Abby, when you come, we'll pick it up next week. I'm not, I don't want to hold you no more. We're living in a troubled world. Some of you are going through very difficult circumstances. Some of you are, are wondering, why are, am I going through what I am going through? Can I encourage you today? Your circumstances, what you're going through is no accident. Right? It's no accident what you're going through. You may have trouble at home, trouble at work, trouble in your body, trouble in your mind. All of that, all of that, I don't, without exception, God is under control. God has ordained it. Amen? And he knows what he wants to do with it. Now, it's up to you to say, to say, okay, God, I surrender my life. I trust you. Amen? Who was it that said today? Um, Charlene, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not on your own understanding. So you're going to have a choice, either trust God or try to figure out on your own. And I can tell you it's going to go bad if you, try to lean on, if you try to try to figure it out. Trust God. It's a better approach to say, you know, God, you, 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 I don't know why I'm going through this. What did I do? When, whatever. You know, the devil, the devil gets you running. This is happening because you did this, right? The, the devil is because you did that. This is happening because you haven't done this, right? And some of that might be true. <laughs> but I've learned that ultimately, God is in control, not my behavior. Amen? We're going to sing, Our God Reigns. And it, it's a small chorus, and then we're going to go into Our God Reigns. We're going to sing the one from Delirious, and then, and I'm just, I'm just, this, this is just, a declaration. That, re that really is. I want to declare to us our God reigns. I don't know about you, but I, I wanted to sing a lot of songs today about victory because I felt pretty defeated this week, you know. <laughs> I was hoping for a red wave and no red wave came, you know. <laughs> for the sake of the children, I was praying, God, please, for the sake of the children, let there be a red wave and let's, let's turn some of this nonsense, amen. Didn't happen. So I was depressed. But I have to be reminded, God is on his throne. Amen? He's on his throne. So I want to sing, Our God Reigns. And let me ask you, if, you um, if you're going through something this week that you need prayer. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, Pastor Ron just shared with the youth on Friday of a 15-year-old girl attempted to commit suicide in a Christian school. So I don't, I know that in a crowd like this, you know, people are going through struggles. 
And I want you to know this place, God is here right now. And God can, I love what uh, Sister Carolyn said. She said, we're grateful for the time that we, we pray for healing. And God's done something in her. Amen. I want to invite you to come. To come. Come to the altars. Come. You can, you can, you can kneel down and we'll, we'll have people come and pray for you. But I want you to feel, hey, if you need prayer, I'm going through something. And I don't understand it. And I don't know why I'm going through this. I feel condemned about it. I feel like God has abandoned me, right? When God begins to sometimes go through, you, go, you start to go through things and you don't, pre, you don't really rest in the promises of God. You don't rest in his word. Well, something else takes the place of that. And it's like the idea that God has abandoned me. God does not love me. God doesn't have anything in store for me. And all the lies of Satan come rushing in. And I want to I give you an opportunity to come and just come and let's, let, give us an opportunity to pray with you. And ask God to lift up this burden and to put you on a path of trust. Your circumstances may not change, but your attitude can. Your perspective can change, and that makes all the difference in the world. So let's, let's sing Our God Reigns.